I think Ariette does that, though, especially from the back of house. I think that when you're a chef and you're someone who's creative, like, that restaurant gives you life. It just does. And it's the ability to always push forward and to move and to change and not be complacent. And like we talked about, not being stale is what makes that restaurant the most amazing restaurant to be in. Just being in there, you feel alive. Welcome to the next episode of Pancom Podcast featuring me. Mike is very confused about what his role is in this podcast. Sometimes he's the star of the podcast. Sometimes it's featuring Mike. He has no idea what's happening here, and we've been doing it for close to a year. Oh. No, a year. More than a year, and you still are very lost. A year is exhausting. We need more Patreon followers. How's that, How's that work again? Let is me get this live. live. It, no, this no. is not live. you got to get closer to the microphone. No, Come on, Britt. It's, it's not live, but everything stays in. Okay, yeah, cool. so uh, we are doing a podcast with uh, Brittany Rothwell, Ooh. the director of operations for Ariat Hospitality Group. Say hello, Britt. Hey, guys. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not here very often, so. <laughs> that's, that's, that's putting it mildly. Never here. Yeah, so I, um, um, I want to do this podcast with Brittany so much because... Brittany and I spend so much time either communicating verbally through text, in person, work-wise. Uh, it was me, yeah. No, that was me. Yeah, that was me. And I feel like there's very few people in the world that would understand the state of the world as I understand it like Brittany would. Oh, thank you, Chef. So... Um, Let's give people a little bit of the backstory of Brittany and how Brittany arrived here. I want to say, I want to talk about how Brittany arrived at my doorstep yeah. first. So um, we had we had a former director of hospitality, which is sadly not with us. He's now found greener pastures shucking oysters. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's very lazy in the process. But <laughs> so is his mignonette. <laughs> Shade being thrown at all times. Here. Love you, Paisan. Yeah. And um, uh, Brittany was originally um, supposed to be the, or she was, the general manager of Nave, which people have heard me talk about you before, but now this is the first time they're hearing your voice. And, um, you know, you came in, you interviewed, we interviewed? No. We didn't interview. You no. You just started. No. I came in with a Starbucks cup. Oh, man, that's yeah. right. You gave me the nastiest look, and you were like, you know, we fucking have chugs on the street. And I was like, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> that's right. I remember. I remember. But you came very highly recommended. Yeah. And, um, you know, you came in, and I was like three months before Nave opened. Yeah. And um, you kind of, uh, from day one, set your own path. I think that's a good way to put it. And uh, that's something I appreciated from the beginning. And I think uh, Nave opened so very well because of the effort and the work that you put in. And a lot of other people, but you set that, uh, you set the tone very early. Thank you. Okay. Let's talk about before this, This though. This is so weird. Is it? (laughs) Yes. 
I just want to know that be- I've waited she's so long. Hello. Exactly. Like everybody and their mother's been saying, oh, when am I going to be on the podcast? When am I going to be on the podcast? And you like, this is happening. Although he did just It's like, but like these words are happening and on the podcast. I feel like if I would have woken up and, and known that this was going to happen today, I don't know if I would have kept it together. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Well, we're, we're having a hard time keeping it together anyways. So this is the perfect time to do this shit. It's true. Brittany, where are you from? Come on. Get it out. Let's go. This is... Fucking Philly. Yeah, of Fucking course. Philly. I know. Brittany has like three photos on her Instagram, but the story is always like an Allen Iverson post, her sister, and then Dr. Dre. Somewhere. <laughs> it's like some strange... And then like a... And then a restaurant in Philly. And then and then a restaurant, and then a Nave post, an area post, and then a tourist post. Somewhere <laughs> in there. Chugs, maybe. That's maybe exactly two or three what times. it is. Yeah. Um, Philly, and where did you work at in Philly? Uh, I worked for I worked for Garces Restaurant Group for uh-huh. a decent amount of time, and then I left, and that's when I went to New York. Just so the so we give the people in Salina, Kansas, some context. Yeah. Um, Garces is Jose Garces, yeah, uh, which is um, a guy I I like his food a good amount. So yeah, um, I worked at his beginning restaurants, and then he grew. We had five or six when I left the company. That didn't go well long term, but yeah. No, it didn't. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> I remember. Um, no, and then, yeah, and then I traveled a little bit. I lived in Hawaii, and then I went to New York, and I got a job with John George, and then that was too much for me. I was young. and uh, How old? 21. Ooh. Yeah. And that's like a craft for people then, and I enjoyed that, and I respected it, but it was not for me. I Like, honestly, I wanted to get fucked up and... Party. We're taking a so, cigar lighting break yeah. over here. So then, um, so then I worked for Mercer Hospitality, which had Lauren Soho, and then I moved to Europe. And then, upon coming back from Europe, I wanted to go back to my job in New York, and they had opened up a spot um, like a week prior on in South Beach in the Lows. So I came here. Wow! They asked me to come here. When did you work for Salmonov? Um, I opened Zahav. That's a big deal. Well, no, I mean, I was a hostess. I was literally... Doesn't matter. I was exiting high school. Yeah, but Zahav is like, right now in uh, in the state of the world. Do you want to know why I quit? It's a legendary restaurant. Because they made me... I was a hostess, and they made me sweep the the out front of the door. And I told them that wasn't my job. How things have changed. (laughs) (laughs) And now if somebody told me that something wasn't their job, they wouldn't have a job. Yeah. So I actually learned a lot from that moment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you came here, you worked at the Lowe's? Yeah, I worked at Lauren. How gross was that? Pretty disgusting. <laughs> I mean, my soul was black. I was dead inside. I was like, when I left there, I was, I didn't even know. I didn't know if I wanted to be in restaurants anymore. I thought like, what the fuck did I do with my life? And then I had a great time in Mexico and Alex called me and I was like, damn, I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> and then I came here and I honestly... I, I still didn't think I wanted to stay in Miami, but when I met with Andrew and Justin, I was like, okay, no, I'm going to stay for this. And then I met everybody. <laughs> He's waiting. He's like, give me the eyes. And then you met me, <laughs> and that sealed the deal. No, it did, though, and I was just like, wow, they curse. Like, they're fucking raw. They're hungry. They're humble. They're talented. They're young. Um, and I remember talking to Andrew and just saying, he's like, you know, what do you want to get out of this? And I basically said, I just, I need something that's not stale. Oh man. Oof. And that's, you know, 
welcome. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to not stale. No, changes every day. Yeah, I mean. Um, well, especially now. But. Oh, no, now. We'll get into now after. But yeah. I, I feel like I remember when you started, I had already uh, gotten to that point that I was like, new people, like I need a minimum of like 120 days to like fill you out. And like, I'm going to learn your name after a couple weeks. Because if you can make it past the first couple weeks, then you're good. Because then I, I'm going to really realize like how you feel about the industry, you know? And the attitude that you have is like the one that I have. Right. And that was like very quick. I'm like, well, I don't see this very often. Even um, the person who brought you here, uh, he didn't have that attitude either. Yeah. So it was like, well, I'm, I'm interested to see how this all plays out. And, and, you know, obviously it's played out very well. Well, and Alex and I worked well together, I think, because of that. We were a very good, you know, he was nice. Oof. So nice. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> he was so nice. And I need a nice human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're still looking for them here. Um, and then, you know, Nave obviously opened up, like, extremely well. Yeah. I remember, I think it was, like, day five. We were like, man, this feels like we've been doing it for, like, six months, a year, a year and a half. And the first four months were amazing. Yeah. Um, and I know that I... As a company, uh, we had a lot of, like, turbulence and not there. Uh, we had turbulence in other parts of the company. So then I had to, like, step away from being there every day and fix other issues. And um, I, it was the first time I ever stepped away from a restaurant feeling 100% confident in the whole operation. And we saw it. It was going very well. And, you know, as the – I think – as the turbulence started to right itself, then the world started to wrong itself. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and I think you and I both found ourselves in a very strange place, kind of like in a room looking at each other like, what's next? You know, was it March 17th? It's March 14th, my birthday. Was it your birthday? Well. Oh, Okay. Well, all right. Yeah, okay. Wait, that's yeah. That's when I took you to uh, when I took you to Beaker and Gray, and we all drank all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was. And two then days. we came to work on Sunday, and nobody was here. <laughs> there was not a single guest. We didn't know what was happening. Yeah. And it was all our fault. Yes. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but then, the following day, uh, Monday, it was like, well, there's going to be a massive shutdown. Yeah. And then the following day was like. Okay, it's the day before shutdown. And then the day after that, we were shut down. Yes. And it, it all feels kind of like surreal, right? Because I, if you look at the state of our company on that day to a week later to then five, has it been five months? Yeah. Four months? Four months later. Yeah. It's an astronomically different place. Yes. The company and the world. And I think, um, and the reason why I had I had this like uh, uh, weird urge to just say, Brittany, let's talk about this, is because you told me three hours ago that you felt defeated. Yes. And people like you and me don't ever feel defeated. I, f I feel like saying that we are defeated, but 
not being defeated is completely different. Yes. Um, Which is similar to the time that you told me that you thought Ariat was breaking me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to speak to you. <laughs> How could you say that about me? No, because Ariat breaks everyone. Yeah. It's not It's not even a thing. It's just like it's It's a matter of time. No, never. <laughs> never happened. It's still a matter of time. But I, I feel like um, just talking about like the evolution of the last like five months. Yeah. The evolution of like life, where we're at, every like... Um, layer of the world has been completely fucked, right? Mm-hmm. And in that process, we've talked about, I think, like five things, right? Yeah. Our staff, first and foremost. Let's first of all, let's talk about the fact that you went from being a GM to a director of operations during a fucking pandemic, and I had only ever worked at one out of the five properties. Yeah, that was pretty insane. And in that process, we yeah. fired and hired a bunch of people. Yeah, and I think Nave was even more difficult because you had just gone through this process, right, where obviously it's very normal to have staff train them, but the training process went way longer than we thought. And then some people drop off, and then you open, and then you rehire, and then some people aren't good, and they drop off. So it's just like we never really found our footing, and it felt weird to be open for four months, but to be with this company for a year and to have to like let people go essentially three times. And I feel like, you know, I think when people communicate with you or myself, they're like, man, these people are tough. Yeah. Like, they're like, they're not, there's, there's not a whole lot of like hug in them. Yes. And Get I, that from my mom. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I honestly feel the complete opposite. I feel like, again, let's go back to the five things that we talk about, right? Staff. Yeah. Uh, the future. Um, how we handle this pandemic. And I, and I say that very much as a third thing, yeah. you know? And then after that comes like operation and then fifth would come finances, you know? And, and I think that my four business partners would probably fucking be up in arms right now if I told them the finances were fifth. But in reality, when you think about the several times that we've sat in a room and communicated about things, that's the reality. Yeah. You know, human capital and, like, people's livelihood is 100% indicative on the decisions that uh, the three of us make, the third person not being here. Right. And, like, it's it's daunting. And it's a lot of – and that's why uh, sometimes we're, we we send texts to each other at 3 o'clock in the morning talking about, like, well, what do you think about this idea? And what do you think about that idea? What do you think about this pivot? What do you think about if we do this pop-up? What do you think if we – like, uh, how can we – what if we bring this person back to do delivery or whatever the fuck? It's, I think, uh, emotionally exhausting. Yeah, I'm more emotionally exhausted when we're slow and we have, you know, than I am when we're working, of course. But I also feel like when I'm home and, and time when I would probably get home from service, right? Go home, have a glass of wine, watch a TV show, read something. I feel like doing that now... I. I feel uneasy. Yeah. I feel like if I'm not always thinking about how to generate like shifts for people and yeah, finances right. and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like I'm failing already. Right. Yeah. And you know, um, I think it's also important to reference a conversation we had, I think maybe like three weeks ago. 
And, um, you know, when you were like the GM, you were still one of the homies. Yeah. Right. And you were still like one of the people that like, oh, you know, like Brit, that's my homie. Right. Like she's she's got my back. And I think when you rose to a director of operations title, I think uh, that changed a lot. And and the reason why I say that is because people don't understand how lonely of a position that is. And I, I only say that because I understand it. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. And I'm not saying it because I want anyone to feel bad for us. No. I, I, I'm saying it because it's the reality of the position. Yes. You make decisions that will be unpopular. You make statements that people will not like. You um, will make financial decisions that will negatively affect people's pockets. That will make them, at one point, they thought you were the best. And now, all of a sudden, you are the worst. And as like tough as you are, and as tough as I am, and how we come off... I think to be good at this job, you need to be very emotional. Go on. No, People I mean. People can't see your smile and yeah. your grin, right? You need to talk into the microphone. Okay. So, yes, you do. And I don't share that. Like the day, you know, I reached out to you the day that Nave paused service temporarily. And it was like, I told you, like, I need you. And you're like, why? What's wrong? I'm like, no, everything's fine. I just need you because not a lot of people understand that. Yeah. Um, all of my emotion obviously comes from, um, you know, everybody's time and effort that gets put in, but it sucks. It sucks. Like, I care about everybody that comes here and tries. Yeah. And that I, puts their time and their effort and their love. And it's like, you know, the people that don't care, of course, I don't really feel anything for them. But I know there's so many people that work for us that just absolutely love being here. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, one of the things that attracted me to you was that you understood... I think because you've been around, like, you know. In more country. ways than one, yeah. <laughs> the country, <laughs> work-wise. <laughs> you know, the you saw that the mission here was very different than the mission for several people in the city. Yes. And it's much more of an emotional investment and much more of a thoughtful process than just saying we're going to open a restaurant because we want to make a fuck ton of money. Yes. And that's why the the capital of like putting in time with people, understanding people, like trying to get the best out of people and really like pulling that out of them. And then after all that, having to fire 147 people and then rehiring 90 of them and then firing another 25 of them and then just that like back and forth – it's exhausting. It is. And the daunting task that people don't understand. And, you know, like, I, I, I go back to, like, uh, the conversation we have every day. is like, are we going to be open next week? Right. We don't know. Are we going to be open the week after? We don't know. Yeah. And then if we are open, will people come? Yesterday, this morning when we spoke on the phone, and I was like, well, we did, like, a good amount of people. And you're like, yeah, we didn't really do that many people. Yeah. And I'm just like, just lie to me and tell me we did a lot of people. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm better with the lie. Yeah. I mean, we'll put fake numbers in the reports every day. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. <laughs> what I mean is, like, it's hard to look at all the cooks and all the servers and all the people like yourself and the Todds of the world, which Todd has already got podcast fame. 
because he got me and Falco drunk. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to look at them and say, today, be your best, and we don't know if anyone's going to show up. Yeah, I mean, I just was having a little chat with Georgia and Dave, and we actually sat and talked about this, and we're talking about our schedule for next week. They're like, you know, what is our schedule? Like, it should be every day, because I don't know what the next week is going to be like, you know? Of course, I'll give them a day off, but... <laughs> wink, wink. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, if you want. Yeah, but, it, you know, I think the fact that we've already lived this, and we're just... Before it was different. Like even when we talk about, you know, we closed, we did takeout. It was just like we thought it was just temporary. We didn't really at that moment understand the gravity of the fact that this was going to be something that would come back and come back and come back. And I think the fear of not knowing when it's going to come, but that it's going to come. Right. Is I just, you know, we can't just be okay with this. I told you the, the analogy that I gave. It's like terminally ill. Which is when you know something, I mean, we're not terminally ill, but it's kind of the same thing, right? So, like, you know somebody's really sick and you know that there's not something you can do and that it's out of your hands. But you don't accept that. You do right. everything that you can do because the second that you accept it or that you stop fighting or you do all of these things to make this person better, even though you know that you can't, it's like you've accepted it. Mm. And I just, we can't allow that. So, it's like, yeah, we come up with all these concepts and these ideas and maybe some of them will work and maybe we won't do any of them. And But we can't accept anything else. Right. I mean... I think, like, I got a text from someone today. It was like, man, I, I don't remember what they were talking about. Oh, the drive-thru tomorrow morning, mm. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, they were like, wow, you guys have been, like, so wildly creative. And I'm like, I don't know if it's, like, wildly creative. We're, we are literally fighting for our own survival. And that's why I, I said this um, – I posted a, the create mode, which you guys like to talk shit to me about, that I do all the time. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, I have... The best is when I'm in the restaurant and I catch him outside, like, on the street or something, and he's just looking down at his phone and just, like, typing away, and then I don't know, and I don't want to interrupt, but I'll just go to Instagram 30 seconds later, <laughs> and I can see the whole thing. It just un unfolds I for everybody. <laughs> yeah, no. It's better unproofed. <laughs> it is. They're pretty good. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, right? and then everybody in the restaurant's like, oh, my God, did you see that? Did you see his uh, story? And so yeah. we all know what's going on. That's how they were when I chased the kid down the street. Anyways. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I, um, like, we're, we're literally fighting for our own survival. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, not like sur survival to exist, but survival to make it to the other side. But I would argue that. I feel like it's it's, for me, it's existence. I don't. I don't have an existence outside of this. Oh, I mean, and I know that I know that's you know that's why we're sitting know, here together right now. I know that's why we're the same. Yeah, yeah no, but for me, it's totally that. You know, it's if this doesn't work, my life doesn't work. I, I was just talking to, uh, on the previous one about like the last five days I've been at Chugs because we sent everyone to go get the Rona test, right? But I, I and I've been so like removed, and you've like asked me questions that I have no fucking answers to because mm -hmm. I haven't been here for five days. But I have been so incredibly happy, you know, like just like cooking breakfast sandwiches. Yeah. Because it is in, inherently like what makes me happy. Like what makes me happy is just cooking food that people are like, wow, this is fucking delicious, right? It's inherently like what what makes me happy, and like I'm sure like. 
what makes you happy is like crushing a table of 10. Yeah. You know, and like getting them to like a $90 PPA plus plus and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, like, like when they can't pay their mortgage. Yeah. I'm stoked. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that part out. That's rough. <laughs> I thought this was unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, but people are struggling to pay bills right now. Fuck. No, nah, I mean, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it. No, but just... Uh, <laughs> it's really more like... We got, we got into this for a reason. I got into this because food inherently makes me happy. Yeah. The idea of someone like a date night, a birthday, an anniversary. Uh, we've had a rough week. Let's go out and let's... For yeah. two hours. Like, that, to me is what I'm in this for. Yeah. So the fact that I've been blindly just cooking breakfast sandwiches, which I love my breakfast sandwich for the last five days makes me incredibly happy, you know, like the yeah. whole thing. And that's why I like, and I, I feel like we're so far removed from that because we're, we're not cooking or working for happiness. We're cooking and working for survival. Yeah. So even like today, so, you know, I went home, I came back, and I expedited service, and it's not that they minded being there. The three cooks at Ariette, I think that they're incredible, and they're very caring, and I think that they work extremely hard. But it's almost like a, a laborious look on their face because they're, they're surviving. Yeah. And, like, food is not about survival. In this, um, in this box that we live in, it's about, like, happiness yes. you know so it's tough to see like the whole dynamic and like the whole thing unfold because again like we said we don't know if we're gonna be open next week yeah and i mean even this tasting that we're preparing for that is something that, that every, is sold out well yeah and that every chef back there is super excited about yeah. but there is also a part of them that talks openly about will this happen right will we be open so, yes, there is the passion, there is the excitement, there's the happiness, but there's just this overwhelmingly daunting, looming problem. Can I tell you, as like a, I've learned a lot about being like that whole like chef title mm -hmm. in the last five years. Um, I always said like I never wanted, like I, I don't, I'm not into like the title. I don't, I don't like, I don't like, like it. I just like being a cook. I like washing dishes. I like scrubbing floors. Like I like all that shit. In the last week that I've been cooking breakfast sandwiches, last, the previous week, I gave everyone here a job. And I said, we're going to change the menu. And which is very counterintuitive to the world right now. We're going to change the menu to what is in season and to what is like happening right now and the fact that people need to dine dine outside and whatever and it's like you know we may be closed but i don't give a fuck we're just gonna right. keep on pushing the envelope and you know when we made that decision we're gonna send everyone to go get the rona test or whatever and i was like i'll just fucking cook there and figure it out um i didn't check in and i didn't say like let me check if they're, like, doing the things that I need them to be doing. And I was incredibly surprised when I came back today yeah. and they all had things for me to try. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. And, like, you know, like, 
whatever. I have ideas and I'm pretty fucked up. So my ideas are pretty weird. And, you know, like, and they all like worked with them and they worked with the ideas and they put their twist on it and they put their thoughts. And fuck, man, it was amazing. And it's just like three dishes. It's not like, you know, like, I'm sure if I sat there with them and we prepped out three dishes in a day, we would change the whole fucking menu and wouldn't be a problem. But three dishes and they were all fucking stellar. And I had very little to do with all of them other than thought process but no hands on cutting boards and they were all so happy to do it yeah even in like a daunting time yeah it's i don't know like, i think ariette does that though especially from the back of house i think that when you're a chef and you're someone who's creative like that restaurant gives you life it just does and it's the ability to always push forward and to move and to change and not be complacent. And like we talked about, not being stale is what makes that restaurant the most amazing restaurant to be in. Just being in there, you feel alive. And even right now, we can do 40 covers and we feel alive. Like tonight, everybody was so fucking happy. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I, I owe a lot of that to like Norman, mm-hmm. which Norman, he instilled into me like a... When you, when you create the box and the box in which food lives in and you're like, I want to create, yeah. don't be scared to fuck the box up and throw the box away and just think outside the box. Because Norman's food 35 years ago, whatever, when he started conceptualizing his food, people didn't understand that. He was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyways. And it was like, and it was still very much real when I worked for him. And it was still, and it's still very much real today that that food has an impact. So, like, I'm not saying I'm trying to impact people in 20 years. What I'm saying is being fearless and yeah. not conforming to what everyone else is doing is okay. Yeah. Even in the darkest time. Because, like, if we were to say... Well, imagine we were here right now in this time and making the same fucking shit every single fucking day and doing the same thing. Can you imagine? I could not. Like, shit isn't already bad enough? It has to be boring, too? I could not imagine it. I mean, you know, what was it, like two days ago? I actually fell asleep early, and then I woke up because I don't sleep more than three hours at a time. And (laughs) then you had texted me at two in the morning about, what, what was it? The newsletter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then you responded at like 3.50, and I was still awake working on this, but I had already known that I fucked myself as soon as I got home and decided at 1 to start creating a newspaper for the company. I was like, why am I embarking on this in Adobe right now at 1 a.m.? And so when you responded at 3.30, 3.50, whatever it was, I was like, I'm not going to answer him because this is now going to go on for longer. An hour. But I was like, no, I want to talk about it. So, yeah, and then it went on for an hour. And then we had a million ideas, which are now amazing ideas that right. everybody has run with. But that's like, uh, I've worked in like several companies just like you. And um, I don't like ever like to say like, yeah, we're better than someone else. That's not my thing. I just like to say that we're very different than everyone else. And the reason why... I'm okay with being very different is because I believe in a collaborative effort, Mm. you know, and I I feel like you feel the same way. Yes. Like it's a collaborative thing. Like, um, how can we survive and how can we all come to this common place and survive together? Yeah. And not only that, 
it's not a just like this daunting survival. How can we somewhat find the happiness and like, cause fuck man, like happiness and like, uh, I, I, I said this the other day. It's like a, it's a lonely space to live in. When you are deciding the livelihood of people. Yes. And, and it's, and it's outside of their control and your own control. Because the world is dictating what happens right now. We are not dictating it. It's not because of bad product. It's not because of bad service. It's not because of bad food. It's not because of bad anything. It's because the world is completely fucked. And it continues to every day get a little more fucked. And we're not seeing an unfucked version of it yet. But when you look around the room, there's so many people willing to fight the fight alongside of us that makes me very... Like... I mean, I'm still up. I'm, I woke up this morning incredibly ready to fuck this day up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think I have more days like that than I have more days like this shit is fucked. You know? And that's only indicative because of people like you and because of the other people around us that are like with us in the fight. Because could you imagine if it was just us two? Sometimes I wish that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Today I okay. Tell me why. Um. Um. Because sometimes when you care so much, and you know what you're sacrificing and what you're putting into something, and you feel like you your expectations are that somebody else or other people around you should also mirror that, yeah. um, and you don't get that, it can be somewhat. And that's when I made the comment to you about the defeat. Yeah. Because I think um, there's so many levels and, like, layers of the things that I care about sure. when I'm here. And, you know, usually... What is, what is, hold on. What is that? Would you like me to get rid of this? No, no. Oh, this is just a thing that we have. We have a thing here. This is a thing. We jewel. Sorry. The public knows now. I jewel. I'm sorry. It's, it's a bad habit. Yeah, I got it today. After my defeat. <laughs> No, you know, you take things much harder because um, you're like fucking maxed out all the time. Yeah. Emotionally, like everything. You're just you're at your breaking point and it's it's things that you can typically digest very well any other times. But this time and right now it's harder and you just you have that interaction with somebody and whatever the case may be, like a guest or a staff member or another manager. And you're just like, what the fuck? Right. Am I the only person that's living in this fucking world that understands what's going on? Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Which is obviously not the case, but... I think it's a level of, like, uh, how integrated you are into the the thing. Which thing? The, the thing. Like, what, what we are Ariad Hospitality Group, right? Yeah. It, to me, uh, the name means very little, but the people is what makes the yes. whole, right? And there's there's the weak parts of the foundation, and there's the strong parts of the foundation, right? The strong parts will outlive the weak ones. And the only reason I could say that with a calm voice is because I've I have been wronged, and I have accepted that I will continue to be wronged. Yeah. And I have accepted the fact that there aren't not everyone will believe in this shit the way that I believe in it, and like that's why. I mean, that's why we're talking. Yeah. Because I, I've 
very rarely found people that believe in it like I do. But even sometimes in, in the climate that we live in, when we find people that believe in it like we do, we have to let them go. Right. Which is, I think, which is what chips away at the armor. You know, like what, um, you walk around like very strong yeah. when you believe in something and you have a goal and you know what the goal is and you want to get there. But at the end of the day, like it'll get chipped away by the, the people that don't believe in it like you do. And right. I, I think that's like, uh, I hate to say that I've, I've accepted the, I've accepted that feeling of people do, I, I guess doing me wrong is a bad way to put it. There's a, there's actually not, there's, not mirroring the emotion or the passion all the time, every single day that you and I have. Yeah. I, I think like the, the emotion part, like I'm okay. Like I'm an emotional person. Yeah. You know, like I'll fucking cry at a drop of a dime. Like it's just, and I'll fucking yell because I'm happy. Or how about this? How about the, the lonely, what we talked about, this fucking moral code of um, always having to do, like you said, what's right, yeah. even if it's not something that you want to do. Right. Because you and I have even talked about situations where it's like, oh, do I really believe in this? No, but I'm in a position to where this is a decision that I have to make. And sometimes I get angry even that I get put into those positions right. because those are people that you trust, that you think have the best intentions, not only for you, but for the business, for the company, right. for the other people that work here. And it's difficult because yeah. that makes you feel even more isolated. Like, how can I be in this alone? Yeah. And, you know, I, and I talk a lot of, and I, I talk a lot of shit. So I talk a lot about like, you know, vulnerability is strength, right? I never show vulnerability, very rarely, only in my speech. Yeah. You know, but like me showing that something has affected me, I rarely do it. I only do it, you know, behind closed doors or like to myself or whatever. But that's all like, it's very much because you have to show the people around you that you are like the rock. Right. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And, and, and this is why it's important for us to have this conversation. Whether people are listening or not, it doesn't matter. It's important for people to realize that you are the rock for a lot of people. And when you say something or want to do something, it's not because you're being an asshole. It's because you believe it's the better of the whole. Right. And sometimes people don't look at the whole. They just look at themselves. Oh, most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Correct. And it's like, and then you, you sit back and you like think when you're at home with your dog, thinking about like, yeah. well, um, I made this person feel X way, but it was the right thing to do. Right. But it still hurt that person or made them feel some kind of way. It's still, it's, it's a weight on you. you know? Always. It's always a weight. Always. And I think that when you make those decisions, you can just hope at least for me that I process it, is I hope that they learn from it. I think that I didn't, I'm sure you didn't always do things right. And, you know, I look back though and I totally get why people did what they did. Right. Um, that's why I always try and just do the right thing. Right. It, it, it's just, I think the, the company line, uh, I, people, <laughs> people, <hear> it. <laughs> people, no, people use that shit a lot. The company line, right? Like when you look at bigger companies, we're not that big. Um, we're small, 
you know. But using the company line, I think people are like, oh, you know, they're just like looking out for themselves. Like, no, you're never. Ju- you're just looking out for you. You're yeah. just looking out for the dollar. Like, man. Do you know be- how easy it would be if we only looked out for ourselves? Oh, man. Oh. It would be like, it would be much easier. Yeah. But it's also our job to understand them and their like and their thought process of why we why why we think the way that we're thinking or why you know like we're using the company line or whatever the fuck it may be and that's why i always say it's the loneliest position to be in yeah because everybody loves you but no one really likes you yep because they know they gotta listen to you and they're gonna to your face they're gonna be like yeah no yeah for sure and then when you leave they're gonna be like fuck you you know like why do you think you ever made kind of decisions based on what you thought the popular opinion of your team would be. Did uh, you ever care if they liked you? I think I have made decisions because of emotional relationships with people. Mm. Um, I think I've made those decisions and they're, they've been unpopular, mm. you know, uh, keeping employees, letting go of employees or whatever it may be. Right. Um, Making certain decisions on opening dates, uh, hours of operation. I heard that story. Yeah, whatever. The, I don't even know what story that is. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is, but I'm sure I made that. And nobody liked it. It's fine. Um, I, I think that I've made those. Do I think that my decisions will always be unpopular? Yes. Because they're not their decisions. Right. But I, I also learned that not every decision can be collaborative. When it comes to, like, the whole. When it comes to, like, the day-to-day stuff, like, what are we going to put on the menu? How do we do this cocktail? How do we drop this? What's the service steps or whatever? I think that's much more collaborative. But when you have to make a difficult decision that affects everybody, you got to make that decision on your own. Right. Or in a room of three people, which is the room that we sit in. So, like, yeah, those decisions people aren't going to like. It's right. just, I, I've accepted that, and I've accepted the, uh, I guess hatred is a, a tough word, but the dislike from it. Yeah. And I think that you're learning it. Yeah, I think <laughs> I was born for it. <laughs> I think, listen, I think that you were you were born for it, but I, I also do feel like even the toughest people and the ones that have the hardest exterior have the softest inside. Totally. I think uh, you probably don't remember this, but one of the first conversations we had, you were saying how, do you know what I'm about to say? No, no, but I want to talk about the first time we actually oh, talked. Oh, yeah, yeah, our yeah. date? Yeah, our date, uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, I think it was there, though, that you had told me that, you know, you're the hardest motherfucker and that, like, people, you know, they might be scared or whatever, but... That everyone that works for you knows that you will literally do anything for them. That's true. And I think I'm similar to that. Yeah. Well, this is why we vibe. Right. Yeah. This is why it's like... Right. When uh, you said that, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, that, like, um, so we'll talk We'll talk people like... <laughs> what is it a- called? How we Masca? actually met. Yeah, Masca. That's right. <laughs> how we actually met. We... Um, so you had already Residual? been hired. Sorry. Yeah. I had. But we had not really had a conversation. We had it. It was. I was actually so terrified to do this. Alex texted me. Okay, oh, here you go. Uh, the oyster. <laughs> the oyster texted you. No, but the oyster. The oyster told me. 
that uh, we had a prospective assistant manager for Navi that worked at Moscow. Yeah. And he had been interviewed, and he interviewed well. Yep. And um, that you were going to go watch him work the floor one night, and I was expediting service i think so uh alex told me that you were gonna go do this and alex was like oh i may go and i was like you know what let me go i'm gonna go and it's because i had never actually had a conversation with Brittany. i wasn't worried about the guy uh i didn't even, i don't even recall his name but um i was more i wanted to know more about you so but i didn't know that it i was getting in my uber and alex texted me and was like hey listen i'm not gonna go it's gonna be you and chef I said, Chef who? He said, Chef Mike. It's like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> fuck. And I was like, even after service, you can't meet us? He said, no, it's going to be great. You're going to have a great time. So ripped a few shots and went on my way. Apparently, that's what it takes to deal with me. So <laughs> I showed up to Moscow, and I had never been there before. And God, what a train wreck that fucking restaurant was. Holy fuck. So anyways, Brittany, you were already at the bar, right? Yep. And I was like, all right, let me peruse myself into here. And this is like pre... I was already confused because I couldn't find the guy. <laughs> no, the whole restaurant was fucking confusing, right? Like the whole place Super. was a fucking train wreck. And um, I, I'll never... I, I love this uh, story of like Michelin chef opening a restaurant in Miami. It's going to really change the game of Indian food. I, I remember a story before this that... They, the ownership group of that restaurant, had gone to Ghee, which was, which is the the best Indian restaurant in the city, and said that Miami doesn't do Indian food well to the people from Ghee. I'm like, what the fuck, man? What a way to make an entrance into a city. And like, fuck you, man. Anyways, so I'd already gone in with like a fucked up perception. So I went in there and the place was a f- like a... F- like just bad you know i didn't even eat a portion of food yet and i was like this is a train wreck but i was really focused in on britney and i wanted to learn about britney so um we went to go watch this guy work and, yep. and then uh, what happened after that well i had kept asking the bartender where he was and it's like i have no idea so he finally got somebody and they said no i mean he hasn't worked here in three months it's like what the <laughs> fuck so I was like, fuck me. So it's really just us now. So I asked Chef, what do you want to do? He's like, we're already here. Let's eat. And we just talked shit the whole time on the restaurant. <laughs> Everyone that worked there, the no, lights, my favorite, the food. My favorite, my favorite is at the restaurant. So there was a portion. We stayed there for a few hours. A couple hours? A couple hours. A couple hours. Yeah. We were there for a couple hours. And then, like, I guess it was like 10 o'clock. And then the lights dimmed a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then with the music. There was like a, like changes was, to the lights. Yeah, there was a drop that ceiling thing. that's kind of like this awning, and then it would like with the lights yeah. would with the 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 music, and I was like, which is what Oyster wanted Nave to be. Which we're thankful that never happened, <laughs> but it was just like, and then the lights were pulsating, and I'm like, where the fuck am I? Like it was, and there was nobody in the restaurant. There was a guy in a burgundy suit. And yep. I was, yeah, and I'll, I, like, I'll never forget the burgundy suit because someone told me he was great. He was a nice guy. He was. He was a nice guy. Um, and it was just like a disaster. So we ate a couple things. The things were, like, good. They weren't, like, bad. It wasn't bad food. Uh, but the restaurant was bad in and of itself as a restaurant. And then we decided to leave. And yeah. we went to another place. And this is really the moment 
I fell in love with Britney. <laughs> and it's like the bartender is hitting on Britney, right? He doesn't know if we're on a date or we're together, which is fine. And he's like, would you like a uh, aged Negroni I've made for you? God. This <laughs> was the worst. It was barrel aged. Barrel aged. He barrel in anticipation of. Right. Yeah, for Brittany, he barrel aged this Negroni and he pours it out. And I remember watching it come out of the barrel and it was like simple syrup. It literally looked like fucking molasses. Right. So he puts it on not a chilled glass, no cube, nothing, and gives it to Brittany. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, let me see what happens next. So she grabs the glass and she looks at it. There's nothing in the glass. She takes a sip. And then we're talking, and I'm like, how is that? She's like, fucking dreadful. <laughs> and I was like, tell me why. And she's like, and she goes into why it's bad. And I'm like, she's good. Yeah, and I, like, I didn't want to express that, but I think at that point I was already a little bit buzzed. So I was like, there's no holding back now. And yeah, she, like, and that was at um, George's, uh, or the, the Prohibition. What was George's, and now it's Prohibition. Yeah. And yeah, the whole place. And you was weren't a, drinking. I wasn't drinking. That's he didn't right. have a single drink, which I didn't put have a me single. even more on edge. You know yeah. what it's like to like be with him and like for the first time, and he's not drinking, and the only way that you can get through this is to drink, <laughs> but you don't want to seem like an alcoholic, and you don't want to get wasted. It was it was it was a stressful night for me. <laughs> but that's really when when uh, we came to yeah. understand each other, and then. Obviously, we didn't hire that gentleman that was never really working at that place. Nope. Um, so, I think... Yeah, our, our like sh- ability to shit on everything around us really bonded us. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's shit on everything around us, but to understand that our standard was much higher than what other people had set for themselves. Yeah. And to understand, like, that what was the norm around was not the norm for us. Yeah. And that, for me, still reigns supreme every day. We like, looked at pictures of Alinea on your phone, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. For, like, right. two hours. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, because that was still somewhat I fresh. I felt like I ate there. Yeah, it was still somewhat fresh <laughs> yeah. for me. So it was, like, uh, that experience. Yeah. We had talked about, like, uh, the Michelin star restaurant that I have in my brain. Yep. That there's a podcast that hasn't been released that we talked about for an hour with Vanessa and Vicky, right? Yes. Yes, that we never, <laughs> we actually never released that. And um, how Alinea affected me and, like, the experience-based, po- uh, like, product of, like, what a restaurant is and so on and so forth. It was, like, a lot of learning that yeah. we had in one full night. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, Which I still never fully understood this until I ate at Area, by the way. I think that's important. I think, oh, you know what? I think we're going we're gonna to cap off the whole thing here. Brittany... Another thing that I very much enjoy about Brittany is she's very competitive. Extremely. Extremely. So when she opened up Nave, it was she was just wanted to be better than everything else. And I was like, listen, that's fine. But the food is very different. And yeah. what the kind of food that we do at both locations is going to be very different. And, you know, I, I think that... Um, like, the food at Nave is amazing, and it's always going to be amazing, and w- our idea there is amazing. The food at Ariette is like having a conversation with me. Right. And the food at Nave is not like that. Right. The food is supposed to be 
super great execution, super great product, super great everything, service, so on and so forth. We always touted it as like a seafood version of Houston's, but with better service. Yeah. better with that term? Yeah, yes. Because I know she hates Houston's. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, can I say that? We're like that, a seafood version, but without the communist part of it, like the communist country part of it. Can we explain the communist part of Houston's? I knew that Nick was going to tell me about that. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't like to dine there. And I know that everybody else does. And I think that it's great. And I understand the consistency and all that stuff. But I think that the major part of, of dining in a restaurant, of course, there's the technical part of service, which for me, service is, that's me. That's my life. Uh, there's a technical part, which is like, yeah, doing all the things right, the steps of service, the sequence of how everything happens, but there's the convivial part of service, which is, for me, what brings people back. And when you lack that, I don't really give a fuck how good the food is, how consistent it is. It's, it has no heart. It has no soul. I, I never want to be in that restaurant again. It makes me feel dead the second I walk inside. Explain convivial. Conviviality. A, a, word, a word that you use a lot. Yeah, conviviality is... It's, it's, it's the demeanor, the disposition, the rapport that you build with a guest. It's, it's your kind of like mark or stamp on a table. And really that's what service should be about. I can teach you the way to spiel. I can teach you how to upsell, but the relationship that you build with guests is what brings them back. Essentially a server is a liaison between everything that we do, the food, the drinks, everything. They're the liaison for all of that. And they translate it into a guest in the way that they can understand and enjoy it. If you don't have the ability to do that and, and mark and impart your, you know, your kind of, I guess, like your style, like your swag, your vibe, I don't really feel anything when I'm there. So I'll just chime in here. I'm not sure. Am I, am I the only person who's eaten at restaurants in communist countries? Yes. <laughs> so I can confirm that in <laughs> communist Cuba, the most convivial restaurants are the ones that operate in the black market. Yes. The, the, only, the ones that operate outside of the framework of the communist system are far and away the most convivial. Uh, they don't have white tablecloths, but they do have that. Like my favorite experience was uh, uh, eating camarones enchilado at a one-table restaurant, by which I mean the two-seat uh, dining table in somebody's living room and being there when their uh, lobster, which by the way is illegal in Cuba, when their lobster guy came by selling lobster out of a laptop bag, <laughs> it felt very convivial and it was great. It's, I was that's like, very convivial. Yeah. And so anyways, like, yeah, so we were that yeah, with well, conviviality with conviviality. Yeah. yeah. And then and, I, uh, I, t I told we had spoken a lot and you had never really eaten my food. Yes. You just heard my theory and my ideology. Yep. So my complete purpose was to absolutely fucking annihilate you. Yep. And I think that I did that when area was not as good as a restaurant as it is today. And the idea for me was it wasn't about like, um, like a, a showboating thing or whatever. It was like, I want you to understand me. Right. I want you to understand, like, my brain and the thought process and, like, where, where it all, what it all means in the greater good of, like, what the company stands for. 
And I don't know, I think you ate 13 courses. Yeah. 13 courses that night, and you ended with a duck breast, mm-hmm. which was impressive <laughs> that she ate all that fucking food. But, I did. Yeah. Because honestly, it was so good. I can't even imagine. Anyway, go on. It was just. I. It's important for me to convey to people, like, my emotions when it comes to food. You know, like, uh, for me, the food that we serve at Ariad is an emotional experience for me. It's not for other people. Right. But for those people that understand me and that are, like, close to me, they will understand it. So, I think at that point, it was kind of like the next level in our relationship. Very much so. Yes. I think you can also, like, for me, it was a lot about inspiring people every single day. Um, And I obviously inspired them because I was inspired by Nave and I was inspired by you. But, you know, you were obviously not there as much as you were at Ariad. And I think, like we said, Ariad is much more you. And as much as I'm a person that's always talking about you and the company and all of these things, right, to eat your food is to really understand everything. So it almost felt like I was kind of not leading people blindly, but I was preaching about something that I didn't really fully get. Right. And once I had that meal, it was like, wow, everything that I've been saying was completely validated. And now I don't just think that I'm saying something for a company that I work for. It's honestly the truth. And maybe I haven't even done it justice. I, I think also, though, it's it's important to like. In my personal growth of, like, understanding, I've had a very difficult personal journey of, like, understanding what it is to control several outlets. Right. You know, like, since I'm so emotional when it comes to food, Ariette takes all my emotion. It takes, like, all my, like, it's just, like, all the pieces, right? And then it's, like, what are you left with? And for me, food is emotional. And restaurants are emotional. If, if you really care about your craft, it's all like an emotional thing. And can I say something? Sure. As your director, that is my biggest struggle. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> because I want more of you at every location. Yeah, yeah. It is. That is my biggest struggle. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> People struggle with me in all kinds of ways. But that's, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's like... Um, it's just, it's a lot. And, and, and it goes back into like the business side of it too. Like when you put so much of your emotion and your pieces into things, what are you left with when you go home? It's tough. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Well, you're learning. You're yeah. learning. It's only been a couple months. But yeah. it's like, it, it's, um, people ask me sometimes like, well, why are you so quiet? I'm like, because I'm left with nothing right now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm at, I'm at a, I'm at a loss right now. I just, and it would be easier. And I talk, I, it's hard. Like I talk to a lot of people that they phone it in, they phone it in and they phone in things and like they phone in the food and they phone in the operation and they're collecting a paycheck and it's cool, man. Like I get it. You know, like the, the life is important. I understand that. I'm still pretty young, so, like, I have a hard time, like, just all the things are in the food. All the things are in the operation. All the things are in, like, um, how we set a table, how we clear a table, um, how we, the music that we're playing. Like, this song speaks to me. 
because I put it on the playlist. Yeah, Nave had the best music it's had since it opened tonight. And it's closed. Because we're playing Ariette's playlist on our terrace. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just, uh, like, I think it's hard for people to understand it. And the only people that really get that are, like, the people that are driven by art and people that are driven by emotion. It's like, I, I don't know. I. It's such a loaded subject that you'll never totally cover in one podcast. Yeah. I just think, um, listen, I can't imagine being you and, and having to feel like everybody or you, you're needed in every place for it to be successful. But I also think that that's why we're successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, um, cause it's not even just it's it, with you. It's not even just the creative. And I've told you this always, it's not just the food. It's not creative. It's like when you're in the fucking kitchen, when you're in the dining room, when you're in the restaurant, there is a different level of just of energy, of passion, of life, of love. You make everybody around you level up all the time. So it's not even just like, yeah, you need to be there to make dishes. It's like when you're in that fucking space, it changes. Yeah. Love is a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I, I, I hate people that uh, that always say that it's like, oh, because people fear you. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's because people fear. It's not at all. Like, they want to no... make you proud. That's yeah, heavy, though. Yeah, but it's not heavy. listen, not all dickheads, just the ones we care about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> Britt, thanks for being on the podcast. Was this too, was this too emotional? Was this, an, was this like a sappy podcast? I don't know. Not at all. Okay. Oh, man. What do you mean, sappy? I don't know. No, not at all. I mean, you know, I... Um, I just always a, see, like, when, I, when I'm walking by here with plates, you're, like, out here getting wild. No, I mean, I've, I've drank a good amount to the point that I'm calm. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> so that's, nice. That's why we're, like, you know, <laughs> this is the second podcast of the night. So okay, we're, cool. Uh, uh, but it's not about being sappy. It's, like, we, we are living page by page together yeah and i think people hear about the shit that i talk all the time and i i it's important for people to understand this is very much fucking real like this shit is not just me talking shit like this is the um the reality of like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow is a very real thing and how that affects lots of people and listen there's Directors, director of operations for companies bigger. There's owners of companies bigger that affect much more mouths, right? But this is what's real to us. Right. And, you know, like, people always tell me all the time, like, you know, you should take it easy. Like, no, no. Like, it's not that easy to take it easy. It's not an option. Yeah, right. Like, I don't have that choice in my brain where I can say, like, yeah, you know what? Today I'm going to take it easy. Yeah, like, today I'm doesn't exist. Yeah, like, um, I, I, tr- I try. I really do try. Like, do you? Oh, I do. Like, yeah, I'm going to go out on the boat today, and I'm going to try. And I'm like... When you're, tra- yeah, when you're on the boat, what's going through your mind? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what are... Why what am the, I here? What the fuck are these people doing? You know, like, <laughs> look at Petey. Petey, you got to move, huh? Oh, well, oh, tone. Hey, hey, tone, tone, take it easy, huh? Petey's a fragile monster, yeah, huh? Petey's not going to get up on his own. He's got to get fresh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, um, I don't know. It, it's heavy. And I think a lot, I said, I, I spoke about this earlier this week with someone. I, was it with you? I don't know. And I was like, 
the reason why, and I seem very calm, only because I've dealt with the trials and tribulations of the last five years. Right. And to feel at a point that, like, not callous, but, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving forward no matter what happens. I'm going to keep moving forward. But the first two years of this restaurant, before it was a group and it was only one, and shit sucked very bad. And before there was three people in the room, there was only one. And before there was uh, great students in the kitchen. And before there was people that, like, every single person cared. Because I think every single person that, that is here right now cares. There was just me. And there was a couple people alongside of me. But those people didn't deal with the, the weight that I dealt with. And to deal with all that struggle... And to deal with all that, like, weight and kind of like, I mean, those days that were real fucking dark, you know, like real bad. Having just four Negronis like I did now was like a warm up for what I used to do and et cetera and so on and so forth for all the other things that I did. But like to go through all that, end up on the other side, make it through the other side, live in a room of before two, now three people that make decisions that are collectively smart and that collectively care to end up where we are today is daunting and it's tiring and it's exhausting so it's like that's why i just go through every day saying we're gonna make it to the other side because i made it through the other side of that alone and i'm not alone now so it's like i only believe because there's people around me that believe also Right. Because I, I don't know. I like I, I would say that I don't know. I know that I'm, I'm a pretty strong person, but like I don't know if I could make it through this one alone, you know, and it's and it's like it's a lot. It's a heavy it's a heavy thing to deal with right now, you know. So this is the Rona 2020. Oh, <laughs> sexy. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, we do a thing. I think we've talked for a while, right? Yeah, we've talked for a while. We do a thing that we um, we recommend things, and we talk about things. Like if you're, I know you're just like me, so it's like, what do you recommend? Like you're gonna recommend going to get takeout from Nave, come by Torres for a drink, maybe make an outdoor reservation for Ariette. That's pretty much what you're gonna recommend. Anyways, we do a party recommendation thing. Okay. Uh, if you want to recommend some things, I know you got some tattoos. Maybe you want to recommend like your tattoo artist. Anything, anything oh. you recommend? Like, you can, uh, uh, an album. I, I, you can recommend. Oh, Ella Fitzgerald, Cole Porter. Yeah, songbook. Yes. Yeah. Did you already do that? Oh. No, I, I didn't. But I, I, I. Don't. I let Chef borrow that one. Yeah. He enjoyed it. Yeah. Two night, two nights ago. Yeah, two nights ago. It yeah. was. Um, uh, music is great. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, I like... It's the only thing I can do when I go home... Yes. Uh, ...that'll somewhat help me decompress and shut everything off. Yes. Yep. I, I like... I find so much... Uh, uh, security and, like, just, like, warmth in music. Any kind of music. Fuck, I mean, it could be Rage Against the Machine and I'm finding my moment. You know, like, it's just, like, it's um, it's very important to me. Same. You know, and, and that that album is incredible. I mean, she's incredible. 
So the other day I went home and I uh, smoked that 601 that I just smoked. Um, not this one, the one before that. And um, I drank a glass of wine, which I never do, ever. You're really channeling me. Yeah. <laughs> I drank a glass of wine, uh, sanguis, you know. That's oh, right. Yeah. Is that from the Rhone? From the Rhone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just listened to that while, uh, while my dog uh, looked at me for an hour and a half. It's amazing. It's soothing, that album. Yeah. You know, that, that whole, like, that trifecta was John Lee Hooker, mm-hmm. um, Ella Fitzgerald, and then that uh, Les McCain duos from the jazz festival from, like, 1970-whatever. It was one of the first albums I ever bought, and I still it's one of the ones I frequent the most. It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good recommend. Any anything else like um, regular people do? Like, do you go out? Do you? Do I bought a I know? bought a sick T-shirt. I'm excited to wear. What from Culture t- Kings? It's called. Oh, that's man. They are spot. They are destroying the sponsor. It's a Dennis Rodman T-shirt. I know. I saw it. Oh, I saw it. That's the I'm one. I'm so excited. They are destroying. They must. We must be on the same thing because they are just like <laughs> every other Instagram story. It's like Culture Kings. Culture. Mike Tyson. Yeah. Dennis Rodman. Mike Tyson. Dennis Rodman. Got the like, Dennis Rodman one. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to recommend. I don't have an existence outside of this place. Um, oh, the place where I got your dice, shot Fuzzy Dice, Fuzzy Dice Connection, out in Canada. <laughs> so people have context here. I, I have a 1961 Cadillac. Um, Beatrice. Beatrice, that I love very dearly. That is my car. And... Um, um, Brittany, with other people, there were you just buy your no. Brittany bought it by herself. Well, you told you had told me like when I when I do get this car for my birthday in August. This was like six months ago. It will have fuzzy fucking dice. I and then buy, he bought it. I bought the car six months ago. It's been in the shop for four months. Yeah, four and a half, five months now, because um, it's not done. But yeah. So and then know. I thought like, all right, it's white, so I don't know. And then I thought pimp color. Pink. She's got me pink dice. <laughs> I got him pink, pink fuzzy, fuzzy dice. dice. That have the pig and the parachute on them. It's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. He's great, too. He was like, this is the sickest logo I've ever done. Our logo is pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah. And Our then logo. he got the dice. He looked at them, and I told him this, and he goes, make sure he knows it's copyrighted. <laughs> yeah. My dice? Yeah. No, the logo. Oh, I know it's copyrighted. Yeah, and I told him the, I yeah. told him that, too. It's copyrighted around the world. So yes. People need to catch up. Come on, let's go. <laughs> we don't fuck around. Um, I have, I, uh, my recommendations are, I don't, I might just like Brittany, my existence. Oh, we both out, recommend? Yeah. Mm. My existence outside of here is pretty, I recommend the, uh, the gin, uh, pina coladas at Taurus. They're, uh, the empinao. Is that what that is? No, it's a brolada. That's its name. It's like really bad, man. It's gin and sherry pina colada with a rum floater. This is why we should allow zero people to make decisions outside of us. Yeah. Because that's a bad name. Yeah. Bro, but people love it. People love it. No, I know. You know You know what's interesting? That um, this, uh, this girl that trains with me at my gym, her and her boyfriend have been at Taurus two out of the last four weeks with a group of like four to have moose juices the last it, it, and I was today they were just enjoying enjoying themselves yeah because of the moose juice you, yeah I mean the first day that I had to go work there a week ago 
I rem- you were standing in the back and I was carrying a tray of 32 ounce moose juices in fucking <laughs> quart containers. And I looked at him and thank God my mask was on. And I just looked at him and I said, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Like I was at, I was serving at a Michelin star restaurant at one point in my life. And I'm literally serving moose juice at a dive bar. Yep. Yep. It's uh well, I mean, this morning I was making breakfast sandwiches. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, just anyway, I, I love the breakfast sandwich, though. I've said that several times today, but I do. I find a lot of happiness in that sandwich. And, uh, and you, where you're from, that breakfast sandwich should speak to you. Which one? It's Taylor Ham sandwich. The Taylor Ham with the, the American cheese and eggs. Yeah. Nah, it's I Jersey. mean, we call it pork roll. Yeah, it's pork roll. Right. Yeah. It does speak to me. Yeah. It wouldn't be on a Cuban roll, though. We gotta but yes. Make, we got to make it more me. I mean. Yeah, what, I know, I know. What do you people put it on? Um... <laughs> us fine white people yeah. uh anything kaiser rolls is yeah. like a major thing english muffins bagels i find like the english muffin to me is kind of like boring yeah mm. i find like i don't find a well, lot of happiness in the english okay muffin. but with a pork roll it's the perfect size that's true yeah, so I it's like it all really works together true, and then yeah. scrapple usually goes on the oh, kaiser scrap- roll or the fucking bagel miami still will never understand scrapple the best we should scrapple. make our own no, honestly, the best scrapple I've ever had, Chef Phil, mm-hmm. the best fucking scrapple I've ever had is from that man's hands. It is fucking incredible. Like, just, oh, delicious. Why don't people understand it if they like charcuterie? Well, I mean, but no, listen, you're in a place that people like charcuterie here, but it's not like a like a Miami thing that people love charcuterie. How many charcuterie programs are prevalent in the city? True. Edge. With Aaron Brooks, because he's a fucking G. Right. And here, and honestly, our charcuterie program is, like, it's 101 stuff. Like, for me, I, I would I would love to push it further, but, like, this is what people like, and they buy it. So I don't push much harder than this. Yeah. You know? But, like, when I went to Chicago, and I sat at a VEC, which was one of the most impressive meals because of the experience I've ever had, like the amount of charcuterie that was coming out of that kitchen was incredible, you know? And that's why the next day I went to public and quality meats, which is where they make all the stuff that they serve in the whole company. And it was fucking amazing. I don't know if Miami would get that. Like Mm. if you look at the butcher shops in Miami right now, they're making fresh sausage, you know, they do cuts, they do things like that and they make sandwiches. We need more Amish people here. Well, I mean the Amish people here make cinnamon rolls. They do that good too. Yeah, I mean they I like the Amish people here they've never I've never seen the charcuterie program from the Amish. <laughs> oh, oh, I cannot I cannot wait till all of this is over and I can take you to Philadelphia. The, the I'm going to rock your world. But the, the Nosberry? It's Mennonites? Yeah. Are they? People can't hear you by the way. The uh, the cinnamon rolls in Miami <laughs> are made by Mennonites. <laughs> it's like Amish light. Amish light. Tell me the difference. Uh, have you seen the cinnamon rolls being transported with horses and buggies? Have not. That's the difference. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned so much today. But they do do baked goods really well. No, and let me tell you, the jams over there, and their produce, also amazing. Mm. They also have a petting zoo. No, that's Robert is here. Yeah, don't get me started. My bad. Oh, (laughs) We talk, like... They all live together so harmoniously. 
Yeah. You'll see like an ostrich cuddled with like a lamb with like a turtle sitting on its head. That's it's beautiful. Sounds uh, Let's like go. great hospitality <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell. <laughs> I guess we'll wrap up here. Yeah, this, this was fun. Thank this, you so much, guys. This was great. Yep. I I think you're amazing. Thank you so much for thank you so much Jeff. the incredible amount of work you do. Just dealing with me is uh is a handful. it's a blessing. Oh God. <laughs> That, in and of itself, (laughs) is the company line.